0: Listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode,
1: we're talking about scary reads for Halloween and then interviewing author Paul Tremblay. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Oh, I am reading a scary book for our scary book episode called Kill Creek... Oh, Oh, you told me about this. I did. And I got an early copy because I'm a podcaster and (laughs) I was book podcasting. I don't know. I got an early copy from a friend of ours who knew the author. This is a boring story. It's by a guy (laughs) named Scott Thomas. And it's about four horror authors who all get called to do an interview. And they don't know they're all going to be there. And they get called to do an interview at this... Like mysterious place from this mysterious blogger. It sounds like like, something that we would do for the show, like
0: call a bunch of horror. (laughs) Yeah, except he pays them
1: a ton of money. So they all show up, but they all have like a dark secret that they're sort of hiding and they have to like work through. And it's at this like haunt. They're supposed to do the interview at this like haunted house. So it's really fascinating because it's like four different horror authors all coming from like different types of horror. Like one is like a Christian horror writer. One is like a guy who's never. Isn't Christian horror just like people not wearing enough clothes? (laughs) No, it's like it's like his books are like uh, they like <laughs> don't fornicate um, it's, is a Christian or just like porn what West is is don't fornicate right it's true I, mean, I guess okay that makes a lot of sense these like, are like st- tales for teenagers but then there's also like an old school author who wrote books in like the 60s and there's like one who wrote a really famous book but hasn't done anything and then one is like hers are all like sexual, whatever. Anyway, it's really... I think you'd really like it. I told you you'd like it. I texted you about it.
0: Yeah, I want to read it. Yeah. What are you reading, Mallory? I'm also reading a scary book for Halloween. So what I do... Because I love horror so much, I don't, and I would just read nothing but horror if I if I let myself. But I don't let myself because that's not good for my reading life. But October, I just let myself go a whole hog. I read nothing but horror through the entire month. And I'm just started last night a book called *A Cold Season* by Alison Littlewood, and it's basically about this woman and her son and her husband just died in the Middle East and at war, and so they're moving to this new apartment. And her son doesn't. Her son doesn't want to be there because he doesn't want change and she's all stressed out trying to make sure her son is like getting through this grieving process and she's also grieving and the apartment's kind of weird and some <laughs> scary stuff is happening and are this... both reading the scary location yeah a lot of scary scary location going on but this it's good so far It's I, I'm barely into it I'm like 30 pages in but it's great mm. I like it that sounds awesome So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback from our book shame episode. Megan wrote in, I was a latecomer to the Harry Potter phenomenon, so I didn't start reading them until I was in grade eight or so, about five years after the first one came out. At that time, everybody had read them and it seemed like I was almost too old to be reading them, so I would cover the books in paper to hide the book jacket in class or on the bus. Now it's the reverse, where I'm ashamed to say that I was once ashamed to be reading them. I have read the (laughs) series several times over and have even have a Deathly Hallows tattoo on my forearm and I'm a proud Potter lover. Book shame, be damned. That's a very complicated. It's very uh, meta. Like book the, shame. Like gives a is a
1: nice one eighty though. Like yes. you know, she went one way and then she came back around and was ashamed of her own shame. shame. Which I don't think you should be ashamed of your own. No, shame. No, I think you should just let it all cancel out. and Just have no shame at all. I kind of want to like check back in with her in five years and see where she is. Yeah, see has where she the, like come back
0: around to the shame. Has, or is the, she... has the spiral deepened? <laughs> <laughs> is she ashamed of being ashamed of being ashamed? <laughs>
1: Rachel emailed us to say that book shaming is garbage. We agree. She reads a lot of vampire and shapeshifter romance fantasies and cozy mysteries and things classified as quote, Chicklet, It helped her through horrible times in her life, even when people around her were judging her reading choices. Yeah. We really like that.
0: Yeah, seriously. No matter, I can't even imagine being such a trash baby that someone's going through something terrible and they're reading like a fun vampire romance to get through it. And you'd be like, well, you should be reading some literature. Like, fuck (laughs) you, man. It's garbage. You can email us your feedback at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. And Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to GRETTA.com slash reading underscore glasses, reading underscore glasses, not one word, to read and turn your favorite Reading Glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. We want to make sure that Reading Glasses is as accessible as possible, so... Uh, For all our readers and fans of the show that are hard of hearing or deaf, we want to make sure that you can read uh, what we're saying. So check it out. It's really, really fun. We've shared a few clips already on our Twitter, uh, Reading G Podcast. Mm -hmm. That's That's our Twitter. Forgot our Twitter handle. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, So go and check it out.
1: Before we talk horror books, we're going to take a quick break.
0: Hello, I'm Carrie Poppy.
1: And I'm Ross Blotcher, hosts of MaximumFun.org's Ono, Ross, and Carrie.
0: We wanted to tell you the good news that our podcast is now weekly.
1: Yeah, weekly. On Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we don't make extraordinary claims, we investigate them.
0: We go undercover with fringe religious groups, investigate paranormal claims, and participate in pseudoscientific medical treatments and report our findings to you.
1: In a time where alternative facts reign supreme, we cut through the murky spin to give you the real deal on topics like UFOs, the anti vaccination. Movement, Scientology, and even apocalyptic churches.
0: We're even undercover for some very exciting investigations right now.
1: Well, not right now, right now.
0: Yeah, that
2: would be unwise.
1: That's Ono Ross and Carey at MaximumFun.org.
2: We show up so you don't have to.
1: Support for Reading Glasses comes in part from Read Dog, a monthly subscription box made by book lovers for book fanatics. ReadDog chooses a book that they think you'll love every month based on your unique preferences and reading profile. This box is a great way to share the beauty of books and a love of reading. You can find your next favorite book by going to ReadDog.com glasses. Use the coupon code GLASSES to receive 10% off your first month.
0: This week, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> For us, anyway. It's October, and it's the season to read some scary stuff and sleep with the lights on. It's Halloween's coming up. I've already got my costume planned. I'm all excited. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Me and my boyfriend are being uh, Nadine and Dr. Jacoby from Twin Peaks, but I'm being Dr. Jacoby I and he's knew being this. Nadine. I knew this already. Move on. Move on. <laughs> So, excited. so the, the problem with horror is it can be hard to find. Many bookstores don't have horror sections anymore. Sometimes it can be in sci-fi fantasy. Sometimes it can be in mystery. Sometimes it's mixed into just like literary fiction. Where do you go if you're a hardcore horror lover and you've read all of the, you know, the, the staples? You've read all the King. You've read all the Anne Rice. Where do you start if you want to get into horror? And how do you read horror and still sleep at night? Okay, some facts about horror. So European horror fiction finds its roots
1: in ancient Greek and Romans, the ancient Greek and Romans, but generally tracing horror fiction through the ages is actually kind of difficult. So for example, we can find examples of the werewolf genre getting popular in medieval France. We can find poetry about vampires in the 1700s in Germany, and zombies obviously have their roots in Haitian folklore. Um, stories about witchcraft date all the way back to the Inquisition, obviously. wow. Uh, so, there's, so it goes back really far, but it's really hard to trace exactly because exactly what it is because it depends on like what scares you so horror we can we can go to these tropes these like werewolves vampires like we know those are scary but like looking at what people actually found horrific it's hard to say you know in different cultures it's going to feel very different
0: so bria how do you
1: find new horror books you know i use io9 for a lot of my book recommendations they have a really nice uh, they have a i think they call it Bookshelf injection or something where they they go through and they often have horror. Obviously, they specialize in science fiction and they have more science fiction, but they will include horror. And I also ask ask a lot of people that I know, mostly you. <laughs> you. I mostly just ask you what you're reading, and you have a good some good horror suggestions. Yeah. What do you do? I'm sure you have an elaborate system Well,
0: as listener as you know if you listen to the show at all. I love horror; it's my favorite. I again, would just read nothing but horror if I let myself, but I don't. When you're wicked into horror, it can be hard to find new books and authors, as I said, because more horror, there's two types of horror. There's horror books that, because horror is more of an emotion than a genre, so there are horror books that are meant to scare you, and there are horror books that just have horror elements. Like, there's a lot of urban fantasy that has horror elements, like werewolves and vampires, but they're not scary. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking for more books that are scary, and because of that, it can be difficult to classify and shelves, so you end up looking all over the place, in the bookstore, or the library, but like actually, like you said, the best way to find new horror is to get involved in the book community online. There are book people, review like reviewers and editors that share my taste and I follow them. Uh, my friend Liberty Hardy is a great one for that. She always is reading a lot of weird fiction and horror, so if you want to find her online uh, she's a great follow. Same with a lot of horror authors. Uh, if you follow a horror author that you love on Instagram or Twitter, it's very likely that they'll end up posting about other horror books that they're reading. Uh, our guest today, Paul Tremblay, is actually really great for that. If you check out his Instagram or his oh. Twitter he's always reading cool stuff. He's also on the committee for the Shirley Jackson Awards, which is my next suggestion. We've suggested this on the show a bunch, but I think it's always the best way to find stuff is if you're looking for a particular genre, find an award for that genre and check it out. I uh, love the Shirley Jackson Awards. I usually end up reading the entire list of nominated novels and novellas and short story collections. There's also a bunch of horror comics, too, so don't uh, miss out on those. Uh, If you're looking for horror, definitely check out The Comics World. But um, what you're saying basically is you find horror to be subjective. Oh, absolutely.
1: And so, and I agree. So it's kind of hard because there's certain things that I don't really find that scary. Yeah. Um, I actually don't find demon possession scary, which is weird because a lot of people do. Yeah. But then is in movies. But then sometimes in books. I did read a book recently called I think I talked about this on the show. My best friend's exorcism, which yeah, it was is, fucking which terrifying. was really scary to me. Yeah. Uh, but but there's a lot of things that I don't actually find that. That's scary. So it is. it all depends on what you think
0: is scary. It's yeah, a very subjective there's a, subject. like, there's a. It depends on the cog of fear that this, this horror mechanism is working on. Like this book I'm reading right now, A Cold Season, is really well written, but it's a lot... It, it's like really sort of centered around like parental feelings and family stuff and losing your family. Oh. And I, uh, as I've talked about on the show, I don't have a family. I'm estranged from my family. So like stuff... And I don't have any kids and I don't want kids. So like stuff that pulls on those heartstrings doesn't affect me. But mm. if it's like... Your loved one, like your boyfriend or girlfriend, or your dog, like stuff like that, can get to me. So what right. I, that's what I kind of love about horror, though, is that you could someone can read something and not be scared at all. And but you said
1: pulled on your heartstrings. Do you feel like that, that it's like a sadness, or do you feel like it's? A, oh yeah, it's I, a, well
0: I definitely a lot of st- horror stuff has to do with a lot of it opens up with grief or loss, yeah. or so I think that's definitely a, a, an inroad to your feelings for horror. So it you know it depends on what's happened to you in your life too. Yeah, you that's know? yeah, it's sub- very subjective. Uh, so Bria, what's your protocol for reading a scary book? I have a three step process. Three I'm step very protocol. Interested in, ready, in, in, ready in this uh
1: in this protocol. Step one, give it a go. If you haven't tried a scary book, you should I always suggest just trying it. You don't know what you're scared you don't know what scares you, like yeah. we were just talking about. The things that scare me in movies or television isn't necessarily the same things that scare me in books so I think you know going for a book that you're like oh I don't know is it scary to be stuck on a planet all alone the Martian actually really scared me yeah,
0: um <laughs> I can see that uh, but ocean books scare the
1: fuck yeah out of so me. like depending so give it a go and I find it to be an interesting way to face your fears and to look at them head on and especially because your imagination is usually more powerful than watching a movie step two don't read it alone at night. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a lot of memories about re- being in this hotel room in Austin and reading that book Hex. I
0: remember cuz I think you and I read it sort of at the same
1: time. Yes. And, and I that couldn't scare the shit out of me. And I was alone in a hotel room, which is me. the scariest place on the yep. planet. Oh my god. I was alone in a hotel hate, room.
0: I hate reading scary books in hotel rooms. And
1: and then and then like I had nowhere to turn to, and you can't leave and then I whatever. So, that brings me to step number 3 in the Priya Grant step process that this doesn't have a name. You should ignore the last rule if you don't have anything to do in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't have anything to do in the morning, go ahead and read in that hotel room alone by yourself and just finish the book. Yeah. That's what I do. So, that's what I did with that book. There was one day I didn't have to work, I think, and I just went ahead and was like, I'm just going to finish Hex because it's too scary and I have to get through it because I want to see what happens to this whole community that's haunted by this witch lady. Witch lady. Um, and Just make a pot of coffee, stay up, and finish that book. That's my process.
0: That's the the Bria Grant method for scary books. Yeah. See, I am the total opposite in the way that I, I love being scared. And because I read so much horror and I, like, crave it, it's really, really hard for me to find a book that actually scares me. So I, like, help the book along. I want to be scared. Oh. I have really, really bad anxiety. And I got into reading horror because, in my mind, thinking about werewolves eating me at night is much less scary than me thinking about, like, Existence, so like, <laughs> or or small talk at parties. Yes, I would much. What's re- more scary, werewolf? <laughs> I totally or small talk at parties. Werewolf for, or uh, uh, small talk at parties forever. Okay, I got, picked, it, got. The so if someone
1: wrote a book and it was just about
0: awkward a situations. Okay. talk. funny parties. story. There's a book. There's a movie uh, uh, directed by Car- director Karen Karen Kusama called The Invitation. Oh yeah, and it's a cult movie. But the whole first half of the movie is like an awkward dinner party, and I was just like, I would. I would. This makes me want to crawl out of my skin. I would jump out of the window. But more if was, than that, when they start killing people in the movie, absolutely. I'm not. don't feel like I'm spoiling that because it's, it's a movie about it. Look, yeah. people are gonna die in the movie. People are gonna die. I'm way more scared by the terrible, awkward dinner party part of it. So <laughs> my whole thing is, I'm choosing what if, I, if I'm gonna be freaked out by something, I'd way rather have it be something cool, like werewolves or whatever. So I, I have, I have a process on helping me be scared by books. I always read alone at night.
1: <laughs> always? Well, <laughs> like if someone's gonna
0: be like, um, it's time for me to read alone at night because <laughs> you just get the fuck out <laughs> which is actually no it doesn't happen anymore because i'm moving in with my boyfriend so we're <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to work this out but i i, I like reading at night i like I, you know turn the lights off I also have a special Pandora station based off the Only Lovers Left Alive soundtrack that's like really ambient and spooky and lends scariness to whatever I'm reading. Wow. You should link to that in the show. I totally will. And it really, really helps. And yeah, I make sure everything's quiet. I like create, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a horror movie. You know, I create an atmosphere of creepiness and then that candles. Do you like candles? Yeah. This is weird. It's very romantic. <laughs> just, you, just you alone with a book. The most romantic of all The, all the camera pans moments. over and the person sitting on the couch next to me is just a giant book. <laughs> <laughs> As I like do the yawn and stretch my arm around a thing. Because I, I like it. Uh, but that's obviously, that's like hardcore level of horror fan. So the thing is, if you aren't like that. Maybe and you but you want to participate in you know in scary book things. You want to participate. <laughs> I was going to say, what percentage of the audience do you think is like that? <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> just me, guys. If there's listen, if you're like that, we want to hear from you. If there's one other person like that, <laughs> if there's one other maniac, please email. We <laughs> we really want to hear about that. But uh, as we said earlier in the show, there's a lot of books that horror books that are classified as horror books but aren't scary. They they have horror elements like werewolves or witches. Uh, they're a great place to start if you're really easily scared or don't want to be scared. Scared, but you want to participate in Halloween reading. Uh, I just read Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, which just has to do with witches, but it's not scary. Hmm. Another great way to
1: participate in Halloween or horror reading is Neil Gaiman's All Hallows Read. You can go to allhallowsread.com and check it out. It's It basically turns October into a holiday celebrating scary books for kids or adults.
0: So all, all you do is you just get a horror book for somebody that you love. It's like a whole thing of, you know, people should be buying more scary books and reading more scary books. So I participate in this. I get scary books for people. I'm getting one for you, Bria. Oh, <laughs> that's what I like to do it every year. You just get a scary book for somebody and give it to them, and that's it. Which is it's it's very simple, but it's the, my favorite holiday. <laughs> so, what do you recommend for some scary reading, Bria?
1: So, for scary but apocalyptic, I say I go with The Blondes, which you and I both read by Emily Schultz. You didn't read it. I didn't read it yet. I have it mean, though. You, it's in my you don't n- have to you don't have to be ashamed of that. No, it's true. I'm, I didn't read it. But it's in my it's in my actually it's in my October stack. Oh, it's great! It's really good, and it's apocalyptic. A bunch of all the blonde women or women who dye their hair or lighten their hair all lose their minds. It's just scary because you're blonde. It's scary because I'm blonde and because I know a lot of women who lighten their hair. And for nonfiction, uh, what are, maybe because there's nonfiction horror books. I was thinking *Lady and Her Monsters* by Roseanne Montillo, which is about Mary Shelley. Which is one of the most badass bitches of all time. Yeah, she's one. I mean, very early horror writer. There's a lot about she her. invented science fiction. <laughs> In fact, if you want, if you're interested, annotated the book Riot podcast did an entire episode about her. Yeah, and, and this book is obviously also about how she,
0: you know, wrote the story of Frankenstein and all this kind of stuff. So, what would you recommend for Halloween? Uh, I my Tippity-top recommendation always is The Halloween Tree by Ray Bradbury, who I love. If you want something that's really Halloween-y but not scary, but if you do want to be scared, I love uh, Caitlin Kiernan's The Red Tree, so scary, so good. I love Caitlin Theron so much. I love everything she's ever written, and don't also don't forget scary nonfiction. This month, I'm reading Ghostland by Colin Dickey, which is a history of America through haunted places. It's haunted houses, haunted hospitals, haunted hotels, but it's like tell he's like telling the story of um, American history, but th- through the eyes of the places that like bad stuff happened and that oh, are I haunted. That. It's really, really well written. So you can send your favorite horror book recommendations to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author Paul Tremblay about scary books, we're going to take a short break.
1: Reading Glasses is supported in part by Warby Parker, boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. Warby Parker offers a free home try-on program. Order five glasses and try them on for five days. There's no obligation to buy. Your frames ship free and include a prepaid return shipping label. Head to warbyparker.com slash reading glasses to order your free home try-ons today. Then make sure to download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes App Store. I've done this. It's very exciting to get five glasses in the mail and then try them on and make everyone look at them and tell you which ones you look best in. For every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Head to warbyparker.com slash reading glasses and place your home try-on order today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a
2: podcast?
0: Yeah, okay. You think? All right. Uh Should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? What's Sounds the- good to me. Meeting's over. We're here with author Paul Tremblay, writer of The Excellent Disappearance at Devil's Rock and uh, Head Full of Ghosts, which is a book both me and Bria loved. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on our special spooky Halloween episode.
2: Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Mallory and Bria. I'm, I'm totally excited to be here.
0: So, Paul, we always like to start out, what are you reading right now?
2: I am reading Manhattan Beach by Jennifer Egan.
1: Uh, oh, I want to uh, read it so bad.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so good. I mean, she's, I mean, she's one of our best writers that we have. Uh So it's a book that I'm honestly taking my time with and and, and, uh, luxuriating in, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, usually I try to blast through a book in less than a week, but uh, I've allowed myself because I've also been busy too, but uh, I'm into my second week and I, you know, it's not that it's slow. It's just, I'm, you know, really taking my time. It's the kind of book where I want to, you know, read and I don't know, take my time with each sentence, I guess.
0: Oh, we totally, totally know what you mean. So it's October, and lots of people are looking to read some horror. But it being kind of, it's hard to find new scary books that aren't Stephen King. As you know, horror can kind of go in all all over the place. And a horror, in a bookstore, it can be in fiction. It can be in, in genre. Uh, where do you go to find new horror to read?
2: Well, I mean, uh, part of it is I'm, I guess, fortunate that I'm. Uh, yeah, I will say, unfortunate that I'm part of the, I don't know, very small horror fiction community. Uh, And I do stress small, (laughs) uh, at least in terms of the writers. So just from interaction on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, I get a lot of recommendations there. Um, I would, you know, for off the beaten path stuff, I would certainly recommend um, books that are being published by Word Horde Press or ChaiZine Publications. Technically, it's Cheezine, but if I say Cheezine, no one will know how to spell it. So I'll say say ChaiZine instead uh, at Undertow Books. It's sort of a shameless plug, but it's not that shameless. I do think the Shirley Jackson Awards every year, if you want to know, like, what was some of the best stuff that was uh, published or printed in horror, you know, whether it be short story collections, novels, anthologies, uh, you should just go to ShirleyJacksonAwards.org and you can see who were the nominees for last year and the year before that. That's a great place to go as well.
0: Mallory's a big fan of that for sure. I love the Shirley Jackson Awards, as you know. So are there any other places like in real life or online that you can recommend for fans to check out that highlight horror books? Uh,
2: you know, I kind of depend on friends and honestly, I was gonna say I go to uh, Mallory's Instagram. I'm always uh, picking up books that I haven't heard of or seen. Um, and actually, you know Instagram actually I found more fun than I thought it would be. There's a ton of like book bloggers, so I actually. You know, who have followed me and I follow them back, and they're always reading horror novels. So I don't know. I, I feel like I try to go from as ver- uh, pick from as very, many varied places and perspectives as possible.
1: So are there any, any lesser-known horror authors that you would recommend to people who are getting into the genre but don't necessarily want to pick up Stephen King or someone they may not have heard of?
2: Sure. I'm a, two of my favorite books this year were are, are short story collections, uh, and the first is by Mariana Enriquez. Uh, and the short story collection is called *Things We Lost in the Fire*, um, and I, I think it might be my favorite short story collection I've read in the last ten years. She's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, she's Argentinian, so this is her first time being, her uh, first book that was translated into English and published in the United States. Um, and it's just an amazing collection. I mean, uh, every story is somewhat different, but there's this, uh, there's just this dark, weird vibe that really hangs over it, and a lot of the stories deal with sort of. The politics uh, of Argentina, and you know how you know what it's like to live there. But I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of different topics. Some of them are ghost stories. There's even one like very Lovecraftian story that's just bananas. So that uh, I I couldn't recommend that book more. Uh, the other short story collection I would mention is by Nadia Bulkin, uh, and it's called She Said Destroy, um, and it's another collection of what I would call and what she calls socio-political horror stories. Nadia grew up in Indonesia uh, until about the age of 11 and then moved to the United States. So uh, not all the stories, but many of them take place in Indonesia. And again, I don't think there's there's no other writer who's doing what Nadia is doing right now. So I, I would say, like, within you know five years, everyone should know who Nadia is. So why not start now?
0: Bria, awesome. Bria does like getting ahead of the curve. <laughs> uh. So are there any tropes that will always get you to pick up a book, like cannibals or haunted houses or werewolves <laughs> or something?
2: All of them. No. Um, I, I would say one is I'm a sucker for, like, cold horror stories or, or stories that take place in cold climates, if that makes sense.
1: Oh.
2: Yeah. So, uh, like, recently I read – oh, shoot, I'm going to forget the author's name because I'm a terrible person. Uh, uh, Michelle, pa- oh. M- yeah, Michelle Paver's Thin Air uh, took, uh, takes place in the – it's a ghost story in the Himalayas, and and before that, she wrote a, a novel called Dark Matter that takes place in Greenland. I just so, read that. Yeah, now I think part of it has to do with I, you know, just my unhealthy love for the movie The Thing. So, art, <laughs> yeah. art, ar- 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 uh, we, so we should call it Arctic or Antarctic horror. Uh, yeah, I'll read that.
0: <laughs> That's really cool. Is there anything that you wish you like? You want to, besides Arctic horror? Is there anything you <laughs> want to see more of in the horror
2: world? Sure. I mean, I think. Uh, you know, horror's well-earned reputation for being reactionary, and I say well-earned based on, you know, the works from the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, even uh, movies recently. Uh, I do think it's getting better, but I would like to continue to see more diverse uh, and political horror works. I mean, two of the, the books I mentioned, the stories were very much, you know, politically motivated. And given the time that we're living in now, I think uh, any writer worth her or his salt should be taking advantage of this, Horrifically political time. But also, the kid in me wants to see more. I want to see like a really well written giant monster novel uh, that isn't played for like kitsch or goofiness. I mean, that's fine too, but I'd like to see like a serious uh, giant monster novel or like a, you know, we, or, or just like a Creature of the Black Lagoon kind of style book too. That's what I would like to see more of.
0: Well, Paul, you know that I'm very biased about
1: that. Yes, yeah. Of <laughs> So tell us about your reading habits. Like, do you have any weird quirks or shameful secrets you want to share with the people of reading glasses?
2: <laughs> oh, too shameful. Uh, well, I, I, I always read before I go to bed. I try to get in a half an hour. And then during the day, it can just depend on what's going on. But I, I always have a book with me. I will say that I, I cannot read ebooks. I've tried. I'm just, uh, I just don't read the same. Um, so I, I'm definitely like, a, I have to read hard copies of books um i'd say sort of a shameful thing is i'll get stuck in and i know you guys i think talked about this at one of your, in one of your earlier episodes but i'll get stuck in uh ruts where i'll quit on like four or five books in a row and i know and i know it's many of the times it's not the book's fault but well if i give if i give up on one it's much more likely that i'll give up on the next two or three or four and part of it is just me like looking at the part of it's like add i see the the to-be-read pile, like I'll start reading a book, I'm like, oh, I'm into it, but then I'll look at the to be red pile, like, ooh, that looks really cool. I'm gonna go pick that up instead. Uh, uh, one more would be, I guess, uh, the math part of me, since I am still a math teacher is, and I think this is part of why I don't like eBooks either, because I love to flip to see where the next chapter is. I love computing in my head, all right, I've read 50 pages. This is like one eighth of the novel, and I get really excited when I make it to the halfway point. Um, so I don't know, those are like the little, like page number games that I play with myself as I'm reading.
1: But Paul, and e-readers, that give you your percentage as you go. But it's not the, it's s- like the best thing for like those of us. Cause I also have this thing where I want to yeah. know exactly how far I am right. in
2: a book. It's not the same though. Actually I get agitated. Like when I read, cause I do have an e-reader that I hardly ever use, but I'll feel like I'll read two or three pages and that percent never moves up and it makes me nuts. I'm like, no, I actually have, <laughs> I have read a larger percentage. Why isn't it updating? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Paul, is there a book that you love to gift the most to people?
2: Uh, I, I really struggled with this question because I, I, it made me feel bad that I'm not, like, giving more people more books. <laughs> um, I'm more like a book swapper. Like, uh, my friend John Langen and I will we'll, we'll swap books all the time. You know, we see each other probably, like, five or six times a year because he lives in New York and I live here near Boston. So I do a lot of book swapping, but I will say that I tend to buy my brother books the most – and uh, it's not a, a single book, but I've bought him uh, Steve, many Stephen Graham Jones novels. <laughs> so
0: good. Yeah. Mongrels is one of my favorite books. Yes,
2: my, my brother is a big werewolf guy, so I absolutely got him a copy of Mongrels. But I will <laughs> I say, of... can I add, just because I knew this question was coming, if I were there to give Mallory and Bria a book gift, I would both give you a copy of Sarah Levine's Treasure Island that has three exclamation marks. It's one of the fucking most hilarious books i've ever read you have to read it
1: i've never heard of it me
0: neither yeah
2: it came out i think like five years ago it's like a smaller ish publisher but it's so so good uh oh my
0: god i'm totally gonna read it yeah
2: treasure island three three exclamation points
0: amazing that sounds awesome that sounds so that sounds really up our both of our alleys Mm -hmm. well paul thank you so much for joining us where can we find you online
2: uh i'm on twitter at paul g tremblay uh and online at paultremblay.net. And on Instagram, I guess, too, is the same as my Twitter handle, Paul G. Tremblay.
1: Sweet. Sweet. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Sure. Now we're going to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. At Noah B. 101 asks, is there a book that haunts you to this day in any sense of the term? What about you, Bria?
1: I don't know. I have, like a, I have a really bad memory. I have a memory like a sieve. So it's hard for me to remember what really scared me. A book that I... I, that really haunted me was that series, the Silo series, which starts with Wool by Hugh Howey. Do you know this? I've never read it, but I know of it. Yeah, so he like released what, them online, and then people loved them so much they released them as a book or something. I, I don't really know the story. I we should find out. I should find out what that story is before I just say, talk out of my ass like that. No, but I, it's something that it started lines.
0: out as a self published thing, and then it got picked up. I think so. So
1: it the apocalyptic stuff is what really scares me when we're talking about you know subjective. Scary things, especially situations where you don't know what's going on in the world around you. Like you're living a life, you think it's one thing, and then it turns out this is not actually the life you're living. Yee. So that really is scary to me, and that's what happens in the Silo series. That's like one of my number one big fears: is you're living this life, you think it looks like this, and then as it turns out, that is not the life you were living. So this you're whole time. like the,
0: the Truman Show is like the scariest movie of all time. For yeah, you. it's pretty
1: scary to me. That is pretty scary. That, that. With, along with Bermuda triangles and being in an a cult, which is kind of like living a life that you don't know. Yeah. Oh, totally. And also quicksand. What scares you? what's what like <laughs> so, haunted such you? It's a great
0: list. Uh, there's a lot of books that, uh, again, you know, I read so many horror books. There's like, quite a few of them that have haunt, haunt me to this day. Some in good ways, like, holy shit, that book was amazing and scary. Like, what a great time. Some in bad ways. Like, Hex was just so, so scary. intense. So scary. And, like, the end, of, it just, like, gets, like, it's such a... It just goes fucking off the rails at the end. It sneaks up on YouTube because that book starts so light. And you're like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And then it's like full throttle fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so intense. But the first volume of Clive Barker, the first three volumes actually of Clive Barker's Books of Blood short story collections have some short stories that will stick with me forever. They're just like so horrific and gruesome but they're amazing but the one of them pig blood blues was the first book that i had to put down because it was so disturbing wow even me who's like you know please give me all the scary it was like it was affecting me so much that i couldn't read it anymore and i had to pick it up later there's one called in the hills the cities a book a story called dread which is about a a real a girl who's really really happy and excited and loves to read and doesn't eat meat and some guy traps her (laughs) and i was like it's me too close to home too Too close to home it was too much it's, But it's all powerfully compelling. And, but these books, like, well, th- those feelings, that moment that I had when I was like, holy shit, this book is, like, ruining my brain will haunt me forever. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad.
1: Also, a completely a non-horror book that haunts me because I think that's true. There's a lot of non-horror books that really stay with me. That book, Notes on a Life by Eleanor Coppola. Did you read this? No. So – It's because—so she was an artist. She was an artist, and then she married Francis Ford Coppola. And then she wrote—she's written a couple books, but this one was basically just, like, her memoirs, and, you know, they had a child die. But then also—it didn't ever say it explicitly, but it was sort of like she was an artist, but then she married this guy who was this very famous— and who became Francis Ford Coppola you Mm -hmm. know and so her art got put on the back burner and she sort of just became the woman who supported Francis Ford Coppola she didn't say that but that's what like the thing and that haunted me but that's kind of like your life that you think is one thing it actually becomes another thing yeah right that is it is a little bit also it's just like my fear when I look around Hollywood I'm always like I see a lot of People with promise who end up with other people who overshoot and they end up living in those people's shadows, which is like a horrible, it's just a horrible existence. And it makes me so scared. Anyway, that book really affected me. I really, yeah. Holy shit. Nonfiction. Scary.
0: Uh, So if you want to solve your reader problem or you have a bookish question for us, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to leave you with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers on line with the use of this week's hashtag. And this week, it's hashtag scary pages. Tweet at us the scariest book you've ever read or Instagram a picture of it. We want to see it. We'll share ours. If
1: you like the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us to reach more readers. Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts. Don't forget about it. That's at Greta.com slash reading underscore glasses. If you want to read, turn your favorite Reading Glasses moments into clips you can share on
0: social media. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com, find us on Twitter at ReadingG Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading glasses. Thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for reading. reading.
2: MaximumFun dot org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist-owned.
2: Listener supported.